We're starting a new series tonight, and um, we finished Haggai, that mystery guy that just, yeah, they decided that they couldn't come up with his name, as I said last week, and so they just came up with Haggai, and that stuck for the remainder of his life, and that's just homemade homespun. It's, you know, you have to do things to make people smile so that you could feel just a little calmer when you get up. But uh, so we're looking tonight as a man who was just like us. Um, I enjoy reading the stories of this man. I enjoy seeing how God used him and moved in on him and in him and through him. Um, I enjoy the miracles. And, and as I read them, I say, God, do it again. Uh, so as we look tonight, we're going to open with James chapter 5. And, and I hope you brought a Bible. Do people use Bibles anymore? Yeah, wow, look at you all. God bless you. Hope you out there in Cyberland, YouTube, and Facebook, and whatever, social media. I hope you have a Bible you're using. Because everybody uses their phones, eh? I use a phone. I'm not against it. I use it for my Bible sometimes. But I prefer my Bible because I can write something down if I have to. So we're in James chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, verse 17 and 18, if you would turn there, and, and uh, we won't be flipping a whole lot tonight. It's just an introduction uh, to, to this next series, and it goes like this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So you may have guessed it, we're talking about Elijah. Our next series for the next several weeks is called Meet Me on the Mountain. Meet me on the mountain because that seems to be where Elijah had his great encounters. And so I, I, I want to say this as we're opening that God has not forgotten about this century, this, this church, this, this era that we're in right now just because everything has been changed, the course corrected. You know what? I had it in my notes before our conversations. But just because things have changed in society, and in the world around us, God has not forgotten the church. He is still on the move. He still desires to move. He still desires to do what he did. He still will prove himself true. He is not just, oh, well, now, you know, Sister Bruno, what could we do? Yeah. You know, he's not stuck in limbo wondering what's next. He already has the next planned. He already is aligning everything up for the next. He has the puzzle fully fitted together, and he is God. And so we look at this man who is just like us, And often, you know what, I don't know if any of you in this room have ever experienced this, but our prayer journeys seem to get aborted early because we hear somebody else praying. We say, oh my gosh, if I could just pray like them. Wow. 
how glorious, how magnificent, wow, how they were able to quote the scriptures. And so we compare ourselves and, and, and then we, we come into that turtle shell syndrome of a Christian and we go into our shell and we say, oh no, I, I can't pray. I, don't, don't ask me. Oh, I hope pastor doesn't ask me to pray at prayer meeting because we're afraid that compared to somebody else, we may not be as good. We may not pray as powerful. We may not sound as glorious. And none of that is on God's spectrum of measurement towards what he says prayer should look like. We don't have to sound like so-and-so because God is listening to our prayer no matter who we are. So we see a man who was used powerfully and mightily by God and James made a point of saying in his sermon on the prayer of faith, he made a point of saying that Elijah was just like us. Uh, he was a man with a nature like ours. And so he is a model for us, we will look over the next several weeks. He is a model of what prayer should look like. He is a model of one who, um, even in his prayer, when we are first introduced to him in First Kings chapter 17, his prayer has enough power that he even affects nature. It even affects nature. It doesn't put him on the same spectrum or on the same platform as God. It tells us this, and if you want to write it down, it tells us this about a prayer warrior, about an intercessor. He was in tuned to the heart of God. He sensed what was on God's heart pertaining to his people Israel because at that time, what happened to Israel is they had gotten involved in Baal worship. You see, because Ahab, their leader, he had married this woman, Jezebel. She was a wicked woman and she was given to worship of Baal and Asherah. And, and because of this, Ahab followed suit with his wife. It's very important you be careful who you marry. But a prayer warrior, a true intercessor, is not one with this supernatural prayer power or prayer language. He or she is one who is in tune to the heart of God. In tune to the heart of God. And so sometimes you may find yourself praying because you may be saying, Lord, what is your heart concerning this matter? Lord, what would you say about this situation? Have you ever been in a circumstance like that where something is just consuming your thoughts and you just don't know which direction to take you? What, God, what do you have to say about this? And then all of a sudden, as you're praying, your prayer changes because you paused and you said, God, what do you have to say about this? And he leads you through your prayer or you're talking with somebody and as they're, they're sharing with you, you don't even know how you ought to respond, how you ought to lead them. And as they're talking, you're saying, God, give me the wisdom to answer appropriately. And as they finish, before you know it, the words are coming out. Why? Because you have spoken to God. You've entuned yourself to him. When you go to him and you say to him, God, how shall I answer? God, how would you pray? God, how would you respond? That is opening there, right there. It's like opening the door of your ear gate to hear and be in tuned with the voice of God to lead you and to guide you and to how you should pray. 
and how, what you should do. So sometimes people may say as you respond to them, well, how did you know that? I didn't. But God did, and he gave me the answer to give to you, or he gave me the response. It's, you know that we do not have to come across as though we are some spiritual, well, you know. Let me tell suffice to say, God led you. You prayed in your heart, and he led you with the right answer. Various translations of this portion of the, the passage regarding Elijah was a man with a nature like ours of opening of um, verse 17 the NIV says Elijah was a human being even as we are (laughs) the new living translation says Elijah was a human as we are aren't you glad to know he was a human (laughs) When when, when I was reading that I says okay like I I didn't think of him as anything but human but I'm glad that the NIV and the living translation has pointed out to me he's human so he's not some sort of beast the um, ESV well we've read that but the new American standard says this Elijah was a man with a nature like ours the amplified my my favorite explanation or translation of it says this Elijah was a man with a nature like ours with the same physical mental and spiritual limitations and shortcomings oh there we are guess what he was no Superman nor was he Batman nor was he you know did your any kids anybody in the house have kids that played superheroes or, or, or maybe you're, you're an adult that likes to go to these superhero movies. Uh, Elijah was nothing that professed to be anything great and mighty. But this very phrase, with the nature like ours, is also seen in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey to Lystra, into Galatia. And as, as they get there, uh, there's this crippled man, and he had been crippled since birth. And so when Paul looks upon him, Paul sees that he has the, a faith within him. You see, that's going back to being in tune. A true prayer warrior, a true intercessor will be in tuned with the heart of God. And so here is Paul with Barnabas. And as they get to the gate and as they see this crippled man, crippled since birth, Paul sees within him because Paul is in tune. That's verse nine. He's in tuned with the heart of God and he sees that this man has an element of faith within him. And Paul right there ministers to him and the man is healed what happens all of a sudden in the community everybody's oh my goodness but these guys are like Zeus and 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 they begin to associate Paul and Barnabas with Greek gods they begin to call Paul Hermes I think that's how you say it maybe it's equivalent to the Roman god of Mercury they call Barnabas uh, Zeus Maybe the equivalent to Jupiter. But anyways, how it happens is the priest of Zeus, who was in the temple, 
he sees and hears what has happened and he now orchestrates, listen, we've got to, get, get, we've got to make a sacrifice to these guys and, and we've got to do something. And when Paul and Barnabas hear that the people are reacting in such a way and seeing them in such a manner that is putting them to be on a platform equivalent as God and calling them Zeus and Hermes, Paul and Barnabas run and verse 15 says, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. We are men of like nature with you. Just because God has used us, just because we have been in tune with the spirit of God to recognize this, this man had faith in God. We are no different than you. We are just as men of like nature of you. There's a Greek word that is being used here. It's called homeopathis, which means of like feelings, having similar passions and feelings of like infirmities. We get sick like you. We have emotional feelings just like you. Pinch us. We're human. We are like you. They wanted the people to know that they were no different Don't look at us in a special way. Don't put us on a platform. Don't give us to feel like you see us like God. We're instruments of God. And they did not want to be put in that place that would elevate them above Christ. Because what was Christ? He was an example to them that he became like us. According to Philippians 2 verses 6 and 8. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, what did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul and Barnabas are saying, don't dare put us in the place that has you seen us like gods because Christ is our example and he allowed himself to be humbled to the very point that when he obeyed his father, his humility brought him to the cross. Don't put us above him. He's our example. And so Elijah prayed earnestly and that earnestly brings us to uh, the next place, uh, the next phase of that passage. He prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. That little phrase here, earnestly, fervently, is um, considered a, a Hebraism. A Hebraism is when um, they, you, for instance, Jesus at the the Passover dinner in Luke 22, verse 15, he says, I earnestly desire, I earnestly desire. So there's two, a double impact, a double inference there. I earnestly desire to eat this Passover dinner with you. So there's a double inflection. When, When Elijah prayed earnestly there's a double emphasis on the act of his step in prayer and so Elijah prayed not from what was his emotional stance 
not from what he believed. Okay, now you know what, God? You got to sock it to these guys good. They're worshiping Baal. They're not even worshiping you. Ahab, uh, he, I don't know what's gone on with him. But you know what, God? You just got to bring your axe down to the root and cut this all off. He didn't pray from his emotional place. He prayed from the place where he believed God wanted to act. And so what did he do? He said in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And so what what exactly happened? For three years and six months, exactly as he had stated, it did not rain. Not even dew. And so the land went through a famine because the rain was held. And in 1 Kings 18, verses 42 and 45, it becomes reversed. And so Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. We're going to go into that. that when, when, I, I was just thinking of that pictorially. Like that, that's just amazing. We're going to see that in a few weeks. We're going to unpack that. But this is what happened. He prayed and tuned with God. And so the heavens were held up. And he did not pray of his own ambitions. Whether it's Elijah's prayers for the rain to stop. Or Barnabas and Paul praying for a crippled man to be healed. These are men like us. Your prayers matter. Your prayers have power when you are in tune with the spirit of God. Lord, what would you have me to pray? You're in church tonight. It's corporate prayer. We're believing for God to move. We're believing for God to move in the city. We're believing for God to move in the nation of Canada. God, what would you have me to pray. And your prayer is as powerful when it's prayed in obedience as the person who seems to you that may be speaking of such great eloquence, who may be quoting many scriptures. Your prayer is powerful because you are in tune with the Spirit of God. They were mere men like us. And so we have to erase that, that mindset that says, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an elder. Well, you know, I'm not an evangelist or a prophet. And, and so therefore you minimize yourself as though your prayers are nothing. If the scripture says that the spirit of God is in tune to our prayers, in tune to our voice when we call out to him, then the scripture is true. The scripture is true. We can't erase it or or replace it with our words. And so the prayer here, as we looked at verse seven, uh, chapter seventeen, verse one, we did not see it say, "As the Lord God of Israel lives, before I stand, there shall be neither." Do nor rain these years except by my word. It did not say, and Elijah prayed. Yet, James said, 
Therefore, um, excuse me, Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. But the scripture of 17 verse 1 said, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. It's understood that by the power of the results, that that was a prayer that was prayed to God. That there was power exchange between the heart of Elijah and the heart of God. And so that brings us to our, our other our other text of of chapter 18 verses 42 and 45 we see that there he was in the posture with his head between his knees and perhaps perhaps he was in this position where excuse me he was rocking or perhaps he was in that birthing place if i if I say too much, then we won't have anything to say when we get to that part, portion of our Bible study. So I'm just going to hold you by hook, okay? You just wait till then. Make sure you come back so that you don't miss that time. But there he was. It, the prayer was not mentioned, and Elijah prayed, and then the heavens were open. But we understand by what took place. We understand that because the heavens held up the rain, and then the heavens released the rain, that Elijah and God had conversation. We understand by the power exchange that because these things took place, because there was a famine, because of the rains being ceased, and then the the rain released and the famine ceased, that there was a a prayer conversation. And these things transpired because of the power of prayer. So the next thing that we want to note is this. A prayer warrior will be... A prayer warrior, a true intercessor, will be obedient to the voice of God. Not any time sooner than next, after Elijah prayed this, God said to him to go live in the ravine. And what did Elijah do? He went and he lived in the ravine. And he was there for a period of time. And then what did God do? God told him to go to Sidon. And he was there, and he was obedient to the voice of God each time. A true warrior and a true intercessor won't say, well, but God. No, but you see God. No, but God, what you don't understand is, but God, you know, like the circumstances don't seem right right now. A true warrior and a true intercession will say, you know what, I see this and I'm going to move in obedience to what God has given me the insight to see. So you could be at work and the spirit of God could speak upon you that, you know what, this individual needs prayer for such and such an area. And you go, but God, you know, like we're at work. Maybe after work, I'll invite her for coffee. And the spirit of God keeps stirring within you that you are to minister to them in that area at that moment. Yeah, but God, a true warrior and intercessor of prayer will move in obedience to what God is speaking to them to do. Elijah saw that they were involved in idol worship, and immediately he went into prayer for the justice of God to take place in the land. We see the atrocities that are happening in our land. We see the great change that has taken place in the past couple of years. It's a brand new world in which we are living in, and we have to be obedient and pray into the justice of God that he would bring the correct action to our land. 
So who's this man Elijah that we're going to be looking at? He was born in 900 B.C., before Christ. Who are his parents? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Where was he born? Well, it's possible that he was born in Tishbe in the province of Gilead. What was, what was his education? I have no idea. It's not said. We don't know where he went to school. We don't know who educated him. What was his occupation? We just know he was a part-time prophet. What did he do on the other time? Your guess is as good as mine. The scripture doesn't tell us. Where did he live? He lived in Tishbe. He lived in the brook of uh, Cherish. He lived in Zarephath on Mount Sinai. What were some great accomplishments that uh, Elijah was known for? Well, he predicted that drought that we just spoke about for three years took place. He defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He reactivated the school of prophets. And he selected Elisha as his successor. What about when did he die? It's a mystery. How did he die? It's a mystery. He was just caught up as you know the chariots. Elijah is very unique. There is nothing special that we could boast of this man except those accomplishments that maybe we mentioned. But every other prophet that's been mentioned in the Bible, like Isaiah, the son of Amos, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, Ezekiel, the son of Buzi, Hosea, the son of Barry, etc. All of these people, all of these prophets were the son of somebody, but who was Elijah? I don't know. I have no idea. Either do you. Because <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us. Sometimes we're even told in some of these people the occupations that they had. Like Amos, he was a herdsman. Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel, they were priests. What was Elijah's occupation? I have no idea. You see, I want you to know he was a man just like you. Just like you and me. He wasn't some spectacular person that we can go, wow, Elijah. But yet we are captivated whenever we read the scriptures from 1 Kings, the latter part, uh, the 1 Kings 17 up to 2 Kings um, 2. When we read about Elijah, we are captured by what God did through his life. And yet, he wasn't something that could be boasted about. Did you know he had such and such an education in such and such an area? And did you know he was a son of? No. He didn't have a pedigree that we can boast of. So he's sort of a mystery to us. But beyond all this, we can identify with Elijah how? Not through his place of birth. Oh, I was born there. Not through his profession. profession. Oh, I, I'm that. I have the same type of job. Not even because of his education. We could relate to Elijah because of his name. And do you know what his name means? Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. El, E-L, meaning God. Yah, referring to Jehovah, Elijah, referring to Jehovah. 
Jehovah is God. So every time Elijah's name was mentioned, hey, did you hear about Jehovah is God who held up the rain on the earth for three years and six months? Did you hear about the woman who was preparing her last meal for her and her son because all she had left was just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil? Well, what happened? Well, Jehovah is God showed up. And you know what? she had enough oil and flour to continue her through the drought did you hear about the young boy then she her son died he died but I thought they had enough food yes but he died so then what happened Jehovah is God showed up and he came back to life every time the name of Elijah was mentioned in those days it declared Jehovah is God to the people. And that's why Jezebel had such an angst against him. Because jo- Elijah was a constant memory to her. A constant reminder to her. You serve your Baal. You serve your Ashereth. But Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. And so that's where you and I can engage in relating to Elijah. Why? Because Jehovah is my God. Is he your God? Yes, so then we could pray. We could be like Elijah and we could walk in that place of being in tune with God and hearing what he would say to us and praying the heart of God in a situation. We could be like Elijah and we could be obedient that when God says do this, we do that. When God says go here, we go here. When he says go there, we go there. And we don't stop with our human understanding or logistics and try to insert our way but we could relate to Elijah because we could walk in that obedience and so we see that Elijah bears the name Jehovah is God and you and I bear that name too because we are sons and daughter of who the most high so my name is not Elijah but my name is Melody a daughter of the Most High? And so wherever I go, I bring that testimony of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, you bring that testimony of Jesus Christ. Your neighbors couldn't give two hoots if you were worshiping any, any idol. If you had a little shrine in your house that every day you put fruits and vegetables in front of it, your neighbors would give no two hoots. They couldn't care less. But the day they tell you, oh, I wasn't feeling very well, I went to the doctor and I found out I had this disease and you said, let me pray for you, all of a sudden, they have another thing to say. Why? Because we're in this society that says, whatever God you want to serve, whatever God you want to believe in, it's okay. But for those that believe in the one true God, there's a little bit of an angst against you. There's a little bit of a crux against you. And they want to silence you because you know what? You represent Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God represents truth, justice, and everything that his word stands by. And so the enemy wants to go against his word. 
And so you could put fruits and vegetables out every day to the God of whatever God you have, and nobody's going to bother you, like I said. But the minute you start heralding your Jesus, and the minute you start being a testimony of your Jesus, all of a sudden the world gets in angst against you. But just because the, the society has a pluralistic mindset, it doesn't mean we have to accommodate our God to their worldly system. We could be as Elijah, and we could pray in tune with the Spirit of God, and we can pray into our cities, we can pray into our neighborhoods, we can pray into our prime minister that we just want to give a different kind of right foot of fellowship, but where God tells us we have to pray for him, so God, you help us, you help us to pray for him hard because he really needs it bad really right now. And so anyhow, we have to pray because that is what Elijah would do. See the system, see the problem, pray into the heart of God, and God brings the correction. And so this is where we are for the next several weeks. We will look at this man, Elijah, and we will engage ourselves with his life. You know what? We're going to know what it's like to be fed by ravens. We're going to know what it's like to all of a sudden be hiding in a cave because it seems like everybody may be after us. We're going to know what it's like when Jezebel wants your head. We're going to know what it's like to put water on a sacrifice and hope and hope and hope that God is going to ignite that fire. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to see Elijah. But tonight, what's the, the, the ploy to you? Is your heart in tuned with the heart of God? Will you pray in obedience, even if it sounds to your brother and sister like, why would they pray that? Would you pray in obedience? Would you stay close to God in prayer? Because as you stay close to God in prayer, you're going to know the desires of his heart. You're going to know the desires of his heart for that day. You know, when a baby is held close to its mother's chest, the baby hears the mother's heartbeat. But something greater takes place. The baby knows the scent of the mother. And even when a mother leaves a room and she's so many feet away from the baby, even if the baby doesn't see her enter into the room, the baby will know the scent of the mother. Why? Because the baby has been close to the mother. And there's that bonding and that connection. And we are bonded in Christ when we are closer to the heart of the Father, that we could know and sense how we're to walk, how we're to, how we're to pray, and how he will lead us. And so you could know tonight, Lord, how do I pray for my city? How do I pray for my neighborhood, my workplace? You could know simply by getting in tune with the Father heart of God. How do you do that? God and tune me to what you want me to pray. Put it on my mind. Let it not leave my mind until I'm obedient to pray into it. And you will see that God will use you in different ways than you've ever been used before. Father God, we thank you for the life of Elijah. We thank you for this example that you've left for us in your word. And I pray that over the next several weeks as we just look at him, 
and we glean from him, would you speak individually to us, O God? Would you speak individually to every life that is here, whether they are listening online, O God, or whether they are here in the sanctuary? And would you deposit within them, O God, the faith as you deposited within Elijah, the obedience as you deposited within Elijah, O God? And would we be so in tuned with you that we would pray your your prayers for our cities, for our nations, for our government. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, move as only you could move in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. stand together please